Hello and welcome to Feed, Play, Love and this episode of Helpline. Uh, today we're going to be joined by midwife and registered nurse Linda Stedman. This is your opportunity to ask questions uh, about baby sleep or uh, toddlers throwing food. Please don't ask about homeschooling. Oh, at least I don't have the answers. <laughs> Linda might. Hello, Linda. How are you? Hi. Um, so the way you can ask your questions, you can, if you've joined us live via Facebook, you can pop your questions below in the comment section. If you're listening via the podcast, you can email us at helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. Also, during the week, we have a helpline group, so you can go on um, Facebook and put some questions there. Again, I will start this episode with a slight caveat. Last week, I got my kids to go out in the shed and somehow they managed to stay alive for half an hour. <laughs> this time, I put them on iPads so anything could happen. Uh, <laughs> so we'll just roll with it, see how it goes. Uh, let's get straight into it though, Linda. Um, we have a question here from Monica uh -huh. from Facebook inbox. She says, hi there. I'm having some trouble with my two and a half year old son's naps. He's showing many signs that he's almost ready to drop his nap. He's at a stage where some days he needs 15 to 30 minutes nap, some days no nap at all. The trouble I'm having is on the days he goes to daycare, which is four days a week, he mm. has a longer nap. So yeah. on days when he's at daycare, he ends up not falling asleep until around 9pm because obviously he's had too much nap during the day. I'm not sure what to do. Help. Uh, I had a similar situation with, uh, with my child uh, at about the same age group going to um, daycare and the conversation uh, is best had with the daycare people to see if they uh, are able to monitor his nap length and even potentially not allow him to nap at daycare so that his, his evening routine will be normalised at home. It, it, there are a lot of daycare centres that will um, allow a waking up of, of a child uh, but still insist that they go down for a nap because that's when they as staff members get to have a little bit of downtime as well. Um, limiting the, the day sleep at a, for two and a half year olds so that they don't go to bed so late is, is quite uh, important at times. So when he's at daycare, adjusting the evening routine is, is always going to be hard because of the fact that he is potentially having, you know, 45 minutes of a nap at, at daycare. Yeah, my best advice would be in that situation is to try and have a conversation with the daycare providers and see if they can actually uh, shorten his, his naps whilst he's at daycare. Uh, and if, if they can't, you know, going down to bed at 9 o'clock at night at, for a two-and-a-half-year-old is, is quite late. It, yeah. is, it is really quite late. But he's as long as he's not having any other nap at home when he's at, if he has a daycare nap, no other naps at home, um, and moving, you know, moving food times and things like that's not necessarily going to make any difference because it's about the amount of actual downtime he's getting in the day. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that would be my, my best advice is, is that don't give him a second, any other naps in the day uh, that he's at daycare ask the daycare provider if they can give a shorter nap time um, and trying to put him down, you know, trying to put the bub down at, at, at 
you know, eight o'clock instead of nine o'clock may only end up with a lot of frustrations of a child that's getting in and out of bed, in and out of bed and calling for you persistently. So yeah, try with the, if it's okay with the daycare providers and, and then if not, um, yeah, only no other day naps, that's yeah. what I could suggest. Good luck, Monica. I'm sure the mm -hmm. daycare centre, if you chat to them, will maybe also have some ideas. Um, yeah, there's nothing like COVID staying up till nine o'clock to get the <laughs> little, little one to bed. Yeah, it's really, it's really hard. It is tough. Our next question comes from Emmeline. She says, my daughter is only just four weeks old and is refusing to nap through the day. She'll be awake from around 9am and won't go back to proper sleep until about 7pm. She will catnap in my arms after a feed with demand breastfeeding, currently roughly every two to three hours. But as soon as I try to put her in the bassinet, she wakes up again. I've tried putting her down awake, drowsy, asleep, and nothing is working. She also hates being bathed, so this is not helping to soothe her to sleep. And I've tried a dummy, but she's not that fussed. Pram worked for half an hour, if that, and she won't sleep in the car. Baby carrier worked, um, worked for a bit, but again, I couldn't transfer her to the bassinet. I know she's only little, but is this really normal? She's so grumpy and my whole day is me trying to settle her and get her to sleep. I can't get a thing done and don't want to go anywhere as she screams her head off. I think she's overtired. Please help me. Yes, it does sound like she's uh, a little bit overtired, but she is only four weeks old. So she hasn't really been in this world long enough yet to try and work out you know, how much sleep she needs and how to put herself to sleep and so forth. So there, there may be some days ahead where you will have to persistently tolerate some crying so that, that she can actually get into a good pattern of learning how to sleep. It will take uh, three or four days of, of feed, play, sleep routine to try and get her to, to try and get this little one to learn how to put themselves to sleep and to stay asleep. Uh, obviously only, uh, only feed usually uh, after a rest period. They don't necessarily uh, sleep and sleep for all that long all the time in the day, but keeping to a good routine with the feeding so that it is associated after a length of time um, is, is important. Um, so it, it's what I would suggest is remembering that she's only four weeks old. You know, she's, she's really only little. So have a breastfeed, then um, some away from mum time, play on the floor. Put a mat on the floor away from mum time because separation is possibly part of the problem here that um, Bob doesn't want to be away from from mum for much then having 15 20 minutes of, of free time on the mat you may get some unsettled signs you may get some a little bit of um of um you know uh you know crying or unsettledness but always attend always attend but don't necessarily pick her up off the floor and then into bed, settling routine, settling techniques, uh, try, try, try. And then after a, a two hour window has, has elapsed, we can pick up and feed again. Um, it, it, 
this this little bub though needs to needs to find her own way yet and and so she's going to have unsettled times but persistently having a good solid sleep some some babies are just really catnappers all day long but as long as we're in a good routine and, and we're getting a good routine going it, it will um, teach bub what's expected next um, you know when being in carriers they they love being near mum they they're, they're only new to the world and they really want that safety and security of being near mum so separating themselves from mum is a change of environment and a change of circumstance for them and so they find it they find it daunting so doing gentle separation by putting her down you know on the floor for 10 or 15 minutes and coming backwards and forwards to her is helpful to teach her that she's okay away from mum having a good feed schedule is good too. Our next question comes from Nikki on Facebook. She says, hi, my 18 month old has always been an amazing sleeper and self settler with no sleep training. Several weeks ago, he fell ill. And since then for his bedtime, he needs one of us to sit in the chair in his room until he falls asleep in his cot. If we try to walk out before he's asleep, he cries and gets very worked up. But some nights it can take an in excess of an hour before he falls asleep. What can we do to try and help him fall back to, into self-settling like prior to when he was sick? He's fine for the day naps. It's only bedtime that this happens. Thanks. Mm. After an illness, you know, bubs uh, can get out of routine really quite easily. And it's because they've had this period of, of being, um, you know, unwell and uncertain and needing more care and attention. And then they get used to that. So for the evening sleep, um, it, it has to go back into that sleep training so that they learn how to, to self-settle again. It will be do your night routine, whatever that may be, and leave and then come back and leave and come back and leave and come back. And it's just persistently doing that for three or four nights in a row until they realise that they're 100% okay. Making sure that they're fully well, have a good checkup with the GP before, before you start anything like that and um, start, the, start the routine, the sleep training again. And, and as I've heard before, you know they can do it, right? So if they've done it before they were ill, they can do it afterwards. That's right. And, and it is that they got unsettled because of being unwell and they were used to mum or, or dad being there more often because as parents we react and we go in and we help them and we're there with them when they're unwell. Um, so we just need to get him used to that again. And yeah. in and out, in and out, in and out. This question comes from Bree. Um, she says, our two-year-old used to be the perfect sleeper, but now he's a nightmare. <laughs> he used to request bed, take his num dummy, roll over and go to sleep and sleep through. It was amazing. <laughs> Sounds amazing. <laughs> but then he ditched the dummy and now everything's gone haywire. He gets out of bed, wanders around the house, comes out to the lounge room. And once he sees us there, we have to start the whole bedtime routine again. Mm -hmm. So we have to sit in the room with him for up to an hour, telling him to go back to bed and until he ties out. This is happening at nap time too. So he often skips naps because of this and then falls asleep wherever he is at around 3 p.m. Oh, Sometimes, <laughs> Sometimes that's on the floor or couch. So we know he still needs a nap. Plus now he gets up multiple times a night. He still goes to sleep like a dream at daycare. So we think... We think he's playing us, but what do we do? Help, please. 
bit like uh, the last question. It, it, it's about making sure that they understand that they can do it and that they are fine and that they're safe. So going in and out is, is the best option, I believe, and it's persistence. Um, going into a room and sitting there um, just tells the child that you're, you're going to stay. Uh, so they expect you to stay. So they want you to stay <laughs> and it, it keeps going round and round and round. So popping Bob in, um, what was the age again? Two and a two? Just two, yeah. Yeah, just two. So yeah. we're, we're, we're not quite at the age of, um, you know, being really well rewarded but close to it. So you, you, we could try the, you know, staying in bed and, and ticking charts and things like that. For some people, they say they don't work. For others, it works really, really well. So it's always something to try. Do the, if you go to bed and you stay in bed um, for four or five nights in a row, I want you to put the, the tick on or the star on or the whatever, and then at the end of the week, you get a special thing. That sometimes can, can be really motivating for a two-year-old. But I think the, persist, the persistence of putting in bed, walking away. If they come out, you put them straight back in bed. We don't stay necessarily in the room for too long. We comfort them. We make sure that they're okay, that they have the things that they need, a sip of water, but then we need to leave. Um, that, is the, that is the way that I would do it, that I, I think works really quite well because at two, this is where they're pushing boundaries already. They want to know how, how much mum will do or how much dad will do for me and they're, they're changing their routine to see how far they can go. So we need to tell them you can go this far but not that far and it's reminding them, train, train, train. And I hate it when they get out of a perfect routine. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll start all over again. <laughs> but I love that idea about how he used to just get himself to sleep. Like, hey, it's my time to go to bed. See you later. Yeah. <laughs> Never happened with any of my children. <laughs> <laughs> I had one like that and then the other one, disaster. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's never, it always changes anyway. But, um, yeah, good luck. I hope that works for you, Brie. Um, our next question comes from Jermaine. She says, our just-turned-three-year-old has been waking up at night absolutely howling in distress. It's only occasional, but it's happened a few times, and we're wondering if you have any advice. We're sure it's nightmares. He wakes fully up, and we can soothe him to calm down. But it takes quite some time, over half an hour of crying and clinging to myself or his dad until he falls back to sleep. He doesn't seem able to articulate what has upset him. He just wakes up screaming, then cries for mummy and daddy for ages. We lie in his bed with him to get him back to sleep. Is there anything we can do to help avoid these scary wake-ups? It's horrible to see him so scared and distressed and having no idea how to make it better is really hard. His bedtime is 7.30 till 8 or, or around 8 and he's usually up around 6am. Yeah. It sounds like a, a really classic case of night terrors and it does start happening at this, this age group. Uh, and he's, it sounds like he's going to bed at a great time and he's getting up at a good time. Uh, it, it does really sound like the developmental process of night terrors. And these are something that um, some children go through quite horrifically and they are, they wake up 
it's a nightmare, uh, but it's a horrific version of it. And it's um, very, very scary for them. Uh, they do tend to grow out of it. It does tend to pass as they are able to understand that it's, it, they, that it's not real, that it is a, a dream that's gone wrong. And I think they're doing the, the right thing by going in and calming Bob down and being with them and telling, telling him that he's going to be safe. And whilst I know it takes a little bit of time, it, it's what that little one needs right now. Um, you know, be, anyone wakes up with a start, you, you have your heart racing and you're really pumping and it can take an adult a very long time to get over and back to sleep from a nightmare. So let alone a child that doesn't really understand what they're going through yet. Um, I, I believe that, you know, they really are doing the right thing. Just go in calm down when they feel that he's calm enough and safe enough in himself yeah to to then leave it, he will grow out of it though but it takes a little while i mean it's hard to see them scared but in a way it's just another emotion isn't it and they, they're yeah. going to feel that at least you're around to help them when they're feeling that that's right and, and during these night terrors you need to be there for them uh, until they actually understand what's what's happening to them and, and they'll have it for a little while and then it'll go. Yeah. This next question is from Eloise. She says, my son is two in September and I'm wanting to get rid of his dummy or pacifier. I have been telling him for the past few months that we're going to stop using them one day soon. The big boys don't need dummies. My issue is he absolutely loves it. I only give it to him to go to sleep. When he wakes up, I take it off him straight away. I know it's going to be hard the first few days without the stummy, but I'm wondering if there's anything else I can do to make the transition easier on both of us. Uh, I, I had a, a child that was very much attached to their dummy. Uh, and so we chose an event to uh, give it as a gift to someone else. So what we did, uh, and I found very successful, and I've used this technique many, many times before, is that you collect them all up, say, for birth at, at your child's birthday time or Christmas or, you know, a, a significant event. You get them to collect it all up and they put it in a, a magic box and they put it on the end of their bed. And then at the uh, when it's... The next morning, there is something inside that's replaced all those dummies that they can take to bed with them, a special cuddly toy, a special little blanket, a special piece of fabric, something like that, something that is easily replaced and cheap <laughs> because if you lose it, you do not want to be bringing something over from you know, the UK at an immense amount of money. You want something like that that is just... It's a, it's a pacifier, it's a self-soother. And as an adult, we, we do the same routine. We have the same thing each night. We have our pacifiers, our self-soothing self things. We have, you know, can't, you, you go and go to a hotel, you stay, not the right pillow, you can't sleep. You know, it's little things like that. We have the things. I agree getting rid of a pacifier too is you know, a perfect age because it's easy to swap it for something else. That's really quite easy to do. So collect them all up, put them in a, in a box, a really pretty magic box, put it at the end of the bed. In the morning, they wake up and they've got their substitute. That stays in the bed. That's why a little soft toy is good because it, it 
they, they need to be on the bed all day. They need to sleep on the bed all day. Um, something like that, that I think works well. Uh, we have another question. Uh, this one's from Millie. She says, um, my daughter is two and a half years old and we moved her into a big girl bed two months ago in readiness for her baby sibling's arrival. We're due in two months. Mm -hmm. Since then, she has woken up every night and won't go back to sleep unless I'm in bed with her. She was a great sleeper in her cot before this and I feel to blame because maybe I rushed the move to the big bed. But we can't go backwards now because the baby will need the cot. We definitely can't fit two cots in our tiny home. And I'm so tired with the pregnancy, I just jump in bed with her, which I know is probably making things worse. Yeah. Can you give me any tips to help her sleep alone in her bed? I desperately want to get things under control before the baby comes. And I have two wakeful pots to deal with. Yeah. Uh, I understand the whole scenario with being really pregnant and then you put the toddler into the big bed and they want to get in and out all the time. I had a two-year gap between mine too. So um, a little bit more information I would like to provide is if there isn't a side rail on the bed, putting a side rail up to give them that extra protection helps them um, feel that secure, those little side rails, whether it be um, a mesh one or a wooden one, um, I, I think uh, gives the two, you know, the two and a half year old a little bit of extra security, which is good. Um, instead of lying in bed, mum can transition out of that by sitting on the end of the bed to start with and keeping um, you know, the child in bed then, and then moving to a chair that's on the outside of the bed and then moving and slowly withdrawing yourself that way until they're comfortable and safe by being in bed. Because with a cot, there's, for them, there's four walls around them and they go, right, I'm here, I'm safe and I can't fall out, I can't get out. And all of a sudden they have open space, a lot more open space that they haven't had before. So trying to make it a bit cot-like and then mum not getting into the bed but sitting on the end to start with and then slowly withdrawing and, and do that, you know, two days by sitting on the end of the bed, see how that goes, two days in the chair, see how that goes um, and then that is probably slow withdrawal would be the way that I would go. Our next question comes from Esther. She says, hi, ladies, I'm hoping you can help. My daughter is one year and three months old and she transitioned nicely to one nap about two hours at around 2 p.m. She goes to bed around 9 p.m. and wakes up around 9 a.m., which is fine for our daily routine, but she still wakes up once during the night and wants a breastfeed. Again, I don't mind the feed so much, but she refuses to go back to sleep afterwards unless I rock her in my arms. She doesn't need this at nap time or bedtime, just in the middle of the night. It is getting exhausting every night because it can take an hour to rock her back to sleep sometimes. Any tips to avoid her waking up during the night? Thank you. Is, uh, I would say uh, to avoid waking in the night, that, that's a, a very impossible thing. A child will wake and they will wake, which is unfortunate. You, you, we would like to say, right, button off, you're, you're gone. Um, if you put them to bed, you know, at, at nine o'clock and the environment it, that they're sleeping in has not changed at all, it's just a natural progression for them to wake because we all have sleep cycles and some of them 
are able to put their sleep cycles together all night long and then others are far more alert at some point. Um, the thing that would have to come down to is um, the thing that would have to change is the feed overnight. Um, stopping that feed overnight is something that will have to be, you know, weaned out uh, really and then it's a case of I'm not going to feed you so you're going to have to self-settle uh, and that's a, that's a difficult journey and it will take many nights to do but that's that would be my advice is to is if it, child's nine months is that correct uh, one year and three months. Oh, one year, three months, yeah. So well and truly doesn't need a breastfeed overnight. You could swap that breastfeed out for um, a sip of milk from a cup, from a sippy cup, and it would be a, a case of they don't need to be fed and doing the, the hard yards of I, I'm not going to feed you. And so then when they wake up, they know that you're not necessarily going to, to come in to feed but you're going to be there initially, but no breastfeed, it would be a, a, a cup feed. And then it would be um, once we've dropped the feed, we can then work on, on the settling technique. It would have to be a staged approach though. First drop the feed, wait till that's working and working well, then do the self-settling technique. We can't do it all in one hit. That's too much change too quickly. So drop the feed, drop this and then self-settling techniques after that. Yeah. Uh, our next question comes from Amanda. She says, I'd love your expert advice on breastfeeding and pacifiers. My 11-week-old is in the habit of feeding to sleep. Would I be better off trying to introduce a pacifier or dummy for sleep times or continue to be a human dummy until Bub is old enough to self-soothe? Um, for me, it's about changing the routine around. Um, the routine that uh, I usually recommend is that they feed, they play, and then they settle to sleep without being fed. Um, that's because as the situation is starting to develop is that if you feed a baby to sleep, that's the only way that they feel that they can get to sleep, which means that when we're trying to get longer sleeps at night, every time they wake, they're going to expect a feed. So we need to, we need to remove that, that feed element from going off to sleep. So it's, it would need to be a routine change. You could introduce a pacifier if you really feel that, that, that the child is, is really desperately needing to be, um, to be suckling to sleep. But if we don't have one introduced now, there's no need to. It's just a changing pattern of behaviour. So... Um, make the decision to in the morning on, on a particular day, whether that be tomorrow, when the child wakes up, they get fed then. It may only be a short feed, but it doesn't matter. They get fed then, then they have some playtime and then it's settling techniques to bed and losing that feeding element and teaching Bob that they, they go to sleep without it. Uh, that would work the same for if it was rocking in, rocking, being rocked to sleep in your arms. I would say we don't do that. It's not a great thing to do if you don't want to do that. So it's you have to change how you do your te your techniques. Mm. 
and plus your back is probably killing you now. <laughs> Near three months, that's a, a big baby to rock. Um, we've probably got time for one last question. This is a short one from Jean. She says, I was hoping to get some advice on how to stop my three-year-old grandson from run, running away from us when we're out. My daughter's never ran, so I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how to deal with this. Any tips would be appreciated. Get a lead. <laughs> well, there are walking harnesses yeah. uh, that look like backpacks. Uh, and whilst I'm, I'm not necessarily a big promoter of them, there are some child children that, that need it, um, that they are just runners. And so if they're not going to comfortably stay in a pram, um, and they're not going to walk by holding your um, holding the pram. You can put a, a wrist to wrist little scenario, um, or you can have the backpack with the leads. Um, it, it's also uh, um, it, it's almost a, a little bit like you know training uh, training in that if you have something that, that they can have as a like a snack like a grape or a strawberry or something like that that if they stay close to the pram or they stay close to you walking um they they can nibble and only offer it when you're out only offer it while you um whilst they're um around out and about it's got to be that special thing that is only for when you're walking Mm, I was thinking then that would never have motivated my kids a strawberry or a grape. <laughs> I, I'm trying to pick a healthy option here. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I appreciate that and all power to you if you can. Um, listen, we have run out of time. So, Linda, thank you so much for your help today. I helped. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if you didn't have a chance to ask Joe your question, remember you can book a one-on-one -on -one session with our experts through Babyology's Parent School. Uh, Linda Stedman, thank you so much for your time. And we will be back next week with another expert answering your questions. See you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Feed, Play, Love is a Babyology podcast produced and presented by me. Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.